1: Andrew Cuomo did something this week that very few political experts would have predicted. He stepped down. Given the circumstances,
2: the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing.
1: Facing allegations of sexual harassment by as many as 11 women, Cuomo more than likely recognized a protracted fight would not have benefited him or the citizens of New York, despite his firm belief that his guilt was more about being tone deaf and culturally out of touch in terms of his treatment of women. His resignation, effective in two weeks, was stunning in how quickly it came. Did you see this resignation
3: coming today?
4: Honestly, I'm shocked. I did not see it coming today.
1: Cuomo still faces possible impeachment proceedings and multiple criminal investigations. And Kathy Hochul, the one-time Buffalo area congresswoman, is about to face the bright spotlight of Albany politics. I will fight like hell for you every single day. Like I've always done and always will. This week on 880 In-Depth, We will look at the rapid fall of Andrew Cuomo. I think this whole
5: affair has very much a Shakespearean tragedy element to
1: it. And we will hear from two former governors of New York, George Pataki.
6: I don't think the investigation should go away. Uh, Over 15,000 people died in the nursing home scandal.
1: And David Patterson.
6: So you may have to
7: actually, I hate to put it this way, behead a few of them at like make them leave to uh, establish who's running the show
1: welcome to 880 in depth I'm Tim Scheldt this week we put together our conversations with a heady group of political heavyweights to look in-depth at Andrew Cuomo's fall from power. In the minutes ahead, we'll hear from former Governors Pataki and Patterson and former New York Post reporter Bernadette Hogan. She had a front-row seat for Cuomo these past two years covering the Albany beat. We'll also hear from Christine Quinn, the former New York Council speaker who frankly thought Cuomo was going to drag this state through a long, long fight. But first... We begin with the stunning announcement this past Tuesday from Andrew Cuomo himself. Stunning because of how it seemed the governor was digging in his heels for a long fight. In fact, Tuesday began. The governor deserves to be treated fairly. And that did not happen here. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your time the governor's private attorney offering a point-by-point rebuttal of the charges contained in the attorney general's report it certainly didn't sound like someone ready to resign when the governor himself addressed New Yorkers minutes later this is about politics
2: and our political system today is too often driven by the extremes rashness has replaced reasonableness. Loudness has replaced soundness. And then came this. This is one of the most challenging times for government in a generation. Government really needs to function today. Government needs to perform. It is a matter of life and death government operations. And wasting energy on distractions is the last thing that state government should be doing. And I cannot be the cause of that. New York tough means New York loving. And I love New York. And I love you. And everything I have ever done has been motivated by that love. And I would never want to be unhelpful in any way. And I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing.
3: Bernadette Hogan covered Governor Cuomo for the New York Post every day through the past two years. She led reporting on the Cuomo scandal, and she's on our newsline right now. Bernadette, did you see this resignation coming today?
4: Honestly, I'm shocked. I did not see it coming today. This, yeah, this is a complete shock, especially with the governor's personal attorney, Rita Glavin, with a lead-in right before the governor announced his resignation. She was going line by line, saying that Attorney General Letitia James is Recent report that dropped a week ago confirming that he did, in fact, sexually harass women that were working for him, um, either in the past or presently. And, you know, she went line by line defending their stance and saying that the report was unfair to the governor. So this is a complete shock. I, I truly um, I truly was speechless when I first heard him announce his resignation.
3: The governor had been defiant throughout, saying he would not resign, that he did nothing wrong. What do you think was the tipping point that finally led us to today?
4: Well, part of it, you've seen a falling of support, right? You've seen individuals, both on the private end and also the political end, allies in the political field. You know, Schumer, uh, Jay Jacobs, the head of the Democratic Party, even President Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi. But then on the other end, the unions, labor unions, uh, hotel trades, et cetera. And then I think truly what might have been the nail in the coffin was the resignation of his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, which she announced very late on Sunday evening. And then yesterday there was a the fallout. So once his, his right-hand person ended up leaving his side, that, that was a telltale sign, absolutely.
3: You know, Albany, as well as any journalist, what happens now? Does the legislature keep going with the impeachment investigation?
4: Well, that's the thing. Um, You know, of course, I still have some sources texting me, asking those questions. But that was a, a key tenet of what the governor was talking about today. He said that the impeachment proceedings, if he decides to stay in office, will be costly. They'll take up time. However, we're already seeing, I'm, I'm just going through some of my colleagues in Albany, they're reporting where lawmakers in the state assembly are saying, we need to continue with these impeachment proceedings in order to bar him from running for office in the future. Now, whether or not they go through a lengthy process, that remains to be seen. However, there was a massive press conference in Albany yesterday where the Judiciary Committee met and Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty they laid out a rough plan of when the Judiciary Committee would meet to talk about what their next steps would be in the impeachment proceedings. And right now, that's over a two-year, two-week period, and whether or not it remains on that schedule, um, it's, the ball is still up in the air.
3: Is this the end of public life for Andrew Cuomo? He has never seemed like the shrinking violet type.
4: Right. Well, that's the thing. He he's he's lived his life in public office. Right. His father. Um, And then, of course, he served for his father's campaign and HUD secretary. And then, of course, attorney general, third three terms. It I I don't know if he'll run again for for public office. I don't know what position he would end up seeking or wanting to 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 do after this. But right now, I mean, it's just he's given a 14. He put in his two weeks, essentially, 14 days. And that's when his his resignation will be effective. Uh, Current Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul will take his base and she will be the first female governor of the state of New York. So this all is just playing out. The fallout today is just absolutely astounding.
1: Our news anchor Steve Scott with reporter Bernadette Hogan this week. Steve also spoke to Baruch College political scientist Professor Doug Musio. Yes, the news was stunning, but as Musio told us, It seemed inevitable.
8: Uh, I saw it coming really in April when the first allegations were uh, brought forth and he had to turn it over to the AG's office. There seemed to have been a momentum that led to this moment.
3: Had he not resigned, could he have survived this?
8: No, he could not have survived. It depends what you mean by survive. Could he have survived? an impeachment? No, but if a miracle occurred that he he could survive that, he couldn't survive a general election. He could not win the fourth term.
3: 14 days from today, Kathy Hochul will become the 57th Ooh. governor of New York, the first woman to hold that job. What do we know about Kathy Hochul?
8: Not much. I mean, she was, I mean, she was successful enough to be chosen Uh, The lieutenant governor, she was a successful, relatively uh, moderate uh, congressperson. So she comes in with some experience. She's got eight years of lieutenant governor experience going to the various agencies, etc. So, I mean, I think she should be well prepared as well as one could be prepared for the Governor's Office:
3: She will need to work with the legislature. she will need to work with Speaker Hasty and with Andrea Stewart cousins in the Senate. Do we know about her relationship with the leaders? What type of, if you will, gravitas does she bring to the job?
8: Well, I mean that may not be gravitas yet but it may be understanding, compromise uh negotiations. Civil I mean it can go that can go a long way you've been watching
3: politics in New York for a long time. We remember uh, Elliot Spitzer now Andrew Cuomo. There are some parallels obviously between the two two shocking downfalls
8: yeah you exactly right. I mean uh, Cuomo was standing on the top of the pinnacle I mean. He was getting raves in the national media. Uh, he was being praised for, you know, having a Giuliani moment, and moment. And that fall was, it's just, it's, you need a modern Shakespeare to capture what happened to Andrew Cuomo. I mean, he's, he's just a Shakespearean figure. He had fatal flaws uh, he, he, he sought greatness and, and, and achieved some success. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could look at Andrew Cuomo.
3: Doug Muzio at Baruch College, as always, thank you for talking with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Christine Quinn was once the speaker of the New York City Council. One of New York's most powerful political figures, she ran for New York mayor but lost the primary to Bill de Blasio in a crowded race in 2013.
5: I thought the governor uh, was going to ride it out. I thought it was would have been the wrong decision. But given, you know, the fact that fighting is what he usually does, I thought he would take it into impeachment.
3: Is this a victory? For the women who came forward with accusations against Andrew Cuomo?
5: Well, all of this is a tragedy. The fact that the governor of the state of New York sexually harassed and possibly assaulted 11 women is a tragedy. But the heroes in this are the 11 women who came forward. And today they got their first bite at justice. Many of them are going to take it further in the courts, and I hope that they are successful there. But today is, you know, kind of a first step uh, forward in justice and hopefully a first step forward in healing.
3: Now, two weeks from today, Kathy Hochul will become the first female governor in the history of New York State. You know Kathy Hochul. You've worked with her. Tell us about her.
5: Well, first, I just want to make note that it is noteworthy that the person who's coming in to clean up a mess, the mess made by a man, Andrew Cuomo, is a woman. Kathy Hochul, I think that is noteworthy. Kathy is somebody who comes from Buffalo, she was a congress member before lieutenant governor. She's an incredibly hard worker. She lost her re-election to congress cuz she stood up and voted for Obamacare even though she knew it was politically risky. So she's someone who has the courage of her convictions, which is really what you want in a governor.
3: Does she bring some independence to the job?
5: Kathy absolutely brings independence and her own vision uh, to the job. She really was a kind of a separate entity from the Cuomo administration. She's someone who has great ideas around women's issues and how to empower girls in New York State. I've worked with her around homeless issues. So she's really going to have her own agenda. And I think we're going to see her really hit the ground running.
3: We spoke with someone earlier today who likened the fall of Andrew Cuomo to a Shakespearean tragedy. Would you agree with that?
5: I think this whole uh, uh, affair has very much a Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, element to it. Uh, It's really just horrible. A man who, you know, stood up so aggressively for women and girls, who achieved important legislative victories for women and girls, turns out to be such a a hypocrite. It's hard to uh, wrap your arms around.
3: She is the former Speaker of the New York City Council, Christine Quinn. Thank you for talking with us. We appreciate your insight.
1: You're very welcome. Andrew Cuomo is not the first New York governor to resign in a cloud of scandal over his treatment of women. Do we have a major story this afternoon?
3: Breaking news on WCBS 880. New York Governor Elliot Spitzer reportedly involved in a prostitution ring. This comes from the New York Times this afternoon.
1: The first-term governor apparently told his most senior administration officials about this this morning. You recall When Andrew Cuomo resigned this week, thoughts immediately went to Elliot Spitzer, who resigned from that same office in 2008 because of his involvement in a prostitution scandal. The man who took over back then? David Patterson. He spoke this week to our Peter Haskell
9: let's start from the top what is your take on what's unfolded with Governor Cuomo's plan resignation
7: well I think that the governor's problems were multiplied early in the process back in March when he tried to do a sort of Maya Copa speech but when you do a Maya Copa speech you
2: have to apologize
7: for wrongdoing
2: I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. It was unintentional, and I truly and deeply apologize for it. I feel awful about it, and frankly, I am embarrassed by it. He never really
7: said it was wrongdoing. He said, uh, I've been told that sometimes I say things that offend people. I'm deeply sorry, blah, blah, blah. You've got to get up and give people something. Um, the act of sacrifice ignites compassion. But he didn't get any compassion after his speech. Now, you've seen other elected officials um, get up and talk about things they did. I had to do it the first day that I was actually in office. And basically, the, the storm starts to subside when you take responsibility, and you name things that you did, and you label them as wrong. When Governor Spitzer resigned, he said that um, he demanded accountability from others, and on that day, he demanded accountability from himself, and he resigned, and as much as a lot of people, you know, he was a controversial figure, people respected what he said. So never having taken that st- stand, the governor was constantly a target, and it was just going to get worse and worse. And I think finally, uh, it took about thirty people, but they talked some sense into him, and he resigned.
9: Tell us about uh, your stint, your lieutenant governor. How did you find out that you were going to become governor, and what was that moment like?
7: Well, as lieutenant governor, I think I was more active than any lieutenant governor before. I was the minority leader of the Senate, so it took some negotiating to get me to leave that post where I was probably going to become the majority leader two years in two years anyway to become lieutenant governor. But Governor Spitzer did give me a lot of issues to work on. I was in my office at 1 o'clock on March 10, 2008, when I get this phone call from uh, the governor's secretary, Richard Baum. He was whispering and I found out later he was in the governor's bathroom at his home and the governor was going to resign at 2.30 but no one had told me about this and they knew about it for three days. Finally, Baum thought that it was his duty to tell me. And so I was in quite a state of shock. Uh, I got some uh, suggestion from my late father which was to call the other state leaders and tell them that. And the first one to return my phone call was Hillary Clinton. And she was running for president at the time. And she asked me what's going on. And I said, well, I'm gonna be the governor in uh, about 35 minutes. And she said, oh my God, what's happened? I said, no, the governor's all right, but he's resigning. And then she said, uh, well, David, why is he resigning? And I thought to myself, how do you explain a sex scandal to Hillary Clinton? <laughs> so it was it was overnight, and one issue that I had that Kathy Hochul will not have is the day the governor resigned uh, yesterday, he gave her 14 days to become governor. In my case, when the governor resigned on March 12th of 2008, the budget was due April 1st, and that was one of the most difficult periods of my life because I wasn't as caught up on what was going on in the budget negotiations as I had been the year before.
9: What should Kathy Hochul be doing now? How should she be preparing for this? Well, Kathy Hochul, as I
7: said, has an advantage that I don't have, is that, in a sense, the legislature doesn't really come back until January 1st. I were... uh the new governor governor Hochul I would talk to the leaders of the legislature and talk about some issues that need to be addressed I would bring the legislature back in late September early October not during the summer but at a time when everybody will know in advance and they can get there and see if I can't hammer out four or five different pieces of legislation or uh, accommodations to the people of the state of New York that that special session could produce. I would use the option of appointing a Lieutenant Governor. I would make the Lieutenant Governor from downstate because uh, Kathy Hochul is really only known in the uh, Western New York region that well. And my preference in light of everything else that's going on would be that the Lieutenant Governor be a woman, so not only would we have the first woman Governor of New York, but we would have the first woman tandem as governor and lieutenant governor of any state in the history of the United States.
9: I would suspect that the fact she has to deal with the COVID situation is a complicating factor for her.
7: Yes, it's a complicating factor, but it's a crisis that calls for leadership. So it's an immediate opportunity to leave. So when I came into office, it was an economic crisis hitting the country. And no public official had really said it, so it was an opportunity for me to um, sort of stake a reputation on the fact that I was going to address this uh, economic crisis. And what Governor Hochul can do is to come up with a few ideas, but perhaps a little bit different than the previous governor, and really um, uh, mark that as a, a leadership. Um, demonstration on her part and uh, then she starts to operate as Governor Hochul and not the person who took Andrew Cuomo's place.
9: Clearly, being Lieutenant Governor is different than being Governor. What's the biggest challenge in, in making that transition?
7: The biggest challenge in making the transition, which was not as difficult for me, but I think will be difficult for her, is my understanding is It was a little contact between her and the inner circle of the governor. So she now has to take somebody else's employees and make them an inner circle. And I had that problem with some of the Spitzer people that they continued to go ahead and do things as if Spitzer was still there and I wasn't the governor. So you may have to actually, I hate to put it this way, behead a few of them, like make them leave to uh, establish who's running the show.
9: You know, and so does she try to, uh, did she try to recreate the wheel or ju- and, and there make wholesale changes, or just that inner circle that won't you know be spying or undermining?
7: Well, you have two types of people. One are those who are very loyal, and the other are those who are very adept at running government, often you wind up with a combination of both and it can be a problem sometimes, but what she has an opportunity to do between now. And I would say uh, November or December is to carefully pick the people who she wants to have around her and screen them as opposed to trying to do it overnight as was the position I was put in with the budget was due two weeks after the day I was sworn in. So that was, uh, that's uh, something that I think she can do She was a clerk in, in Buffalo She was uh, a member of the House of Representatives She has worked in government And she's watched this government work Albeit from a little bit of a distance But I think that she has the information she needs Now she just has to make decisions On who the people are going to be To help her carry out her agenda.
9: There was a lot made in the Attorney General's report about the culture of the Executive Chamber. How is here difficult, is it, to change that now?
7: Well, I think it won't be that difficult because the culture and the dynamic was arising from one person who wanted that culture, and it was an intimidating culture. I mean, they called me up once and asked me to challenge that uh, their political opponent in a primary had not released her tax returns. I told them that I was working for an investment bank, and we were not allowed to make political statements. And nobody talked to me for a year because I didn't do it, even though if I had done it, I'd have gotten myself in trouble with the um, regulatory agencies. So th- this is the type of conduct that we really never want to see happen again. And... um Uh, It it really marred the uh, idea of governing and caring about people and working with people. I think as soon as people get to see uh, Governor Hochul's personality and the wonderful way that she interacts with people and the wonderful relationship that she's had with her staffs in positions uh, that were totally different, House of Representatives, as Lieutenant Governor, as uh, the clerk in Buffalo they will see an immediate culture change and it will kind of be uh, an
9: end to a long storm. Last question for you in terms of the assembly. Do you think the impeachment should go forward just to have accountability or do we not need that?
7: Well, um, on the criminal complaints which are outside of the legislature they have to go forward because uh, you may be governor, but you're still a human being. And and when uh, accusations are made, they have to be addressed. I think to a certain extent, now that the governor has left, they can just sort of move on. However, the issue of the book sale, the amount of money that he got for that book, the amount of material that was in that book, And then the farcical idea that he wrote the book and a few people helped out on their free time I think the assembly is going to continue looking at that and I think they're also going to look at the uh, numbers as the US attorney is going to look at that were given by the governor's office that seemed uh, to be avoiding uh, any inquiry from the legislature or the US attorney so I think those situations were so serious they'll have to go on the other things I think, uh, just need to be laid to rest, and we, we as a state just need to move on.
9: Governor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, any time, Peter.
1: Just a day after learning she would become New York's first female governor, Kathy Hochul met reporters in Albany. I know New Yorkers. They are hardwired to persevere and to prevail.
5: And the promise I make to all New Yorkers, right here and right now, I will fight like hell for you every single day, like
1: I've always done and always will. Hochul will take over August the 24th. She will spend her time getting up to speed on important state business, including the fight against COVID. She has her work cut out for her. What's next for Kathy Hochul, for New York, for Andrew Cuomo? We pose those questions to former New York governor, George Pataki.
6: Well, it's a sad day for New York, but it was an inevitable day. After the attorney general found all 11 accusers to be credible, and she found uh, really credible evidence of a toxic work environment, and not even considering the nursing home deaths and some of the other scandals, it was inevitable that the governor had to either resign or be impeached. Uh, The legislature had no choice and they were preparing to impeach governor cuomo so he resigned and i think now we have the opportunity for a new start for new york and let's hope it's a good one
9: in terms of impeachment do you think that should go forward so there's accountability or is that a overkill at this point
6: you know i think once you're out of office i don't think impeachment uh as a process is necessary but i do think that the state Senate should look, first of all, at passing a resolution uh, preventing the governor from running again. They have that constitutional authority. Uh, but also, I don't think the investigation should go away. Uh, over 15,000 people died in the nursing home scandal, uh, and that has never been fully investigated. Why did the governor require nursing homes to take COVID-positive patients? Well, the USS Comfort and the Javits Center uh, sat basically vacant. Uh, right after the governor had passed immunity for nursing homes and uh, because of lobbying influence and this is something we need to get to the bottom of so it doesn't happen again there are other uh, potential scandals like misuse of uh, state resources to provide benefits to the governor's family during the uh, the height of the covid crisis and uh, so this should in my view it should be the end of the impeachment process but it should not be the end of the investigation as to all the different uh uh, challenges and uh, and uh, scandals that really the governor has been charged with over the past year.
9: There's been so much turmoil in the state, in the executive chamber, the way all of the scandals that you've outlined. Are, are you concerned there's any kind of residual impact for the state, or once the governor leaves, this is all behind us?
6: Uh, I'm very concerned uh, with where we are as a state right now. We've had uh, government that was non-functional for at least the last month. Uh, and now we have at least two weeks of a transition. And it's going to be very difficult for the new governor to put together a team that has the experience to, to move forward on the ground quickly. And we're in a crisis mode in New York. We have back to school in the middle of the Delta variant of the COVID. We have businesses deciding are we going to have our workers come back when they don't want to go into a high-rise office building and maybe we should consider florida or someplace else uh we have uh, the criminal justice crisis the mentally ill homeless on the streets these are all things that need to be uh, addressed today they should have been addressed a long time ago so i am concerned that with this transition and uh the chaos that's been in the governor's office, and obviously will continue for at least a couple of more weeks, uh, that people will get discouraged. But, uh, Peter, it is New York. And, you know, we've had our challenges and our ups and downs before, and this is a very tough time from a political and a government standpoint, and it's a very tough time economically and from a health standpoint. But with the right leadership and the right vision, we'll get through this, and New York will come back stronger again
9: if she would have called you and say, hey, you did this job, but what can you tell me about how to hit the ground running, how to do this the right way? What would you tell her?
6: You have to have a clear view as to what you want to accomplish. Uh, And it has to be something that uh, is meaningful. You know, to talk in the abstract about how we're going to have um, reform of the criminal justice system down the road, you need to have concrete efforts you are prepared to take today to make the the people realize that you're dealing with these various crises. It can't be abstract. It can't be in the future. It can't be down the road. Have an agenda, day one, five, six, seven, eight things that you can accomplish very quickly that send a clear message that there is a functioning governor's office, that it has a vision as to where New York has to go, and that you're prepared to enact that vision quickly. And uh, that would be my advice, and I think the people of New York would respond positively to that. Uh, And it's what we need at this time.
9: Governor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
6: Thank you, Peter.
1: George Pataki with our Peter Haskell. The Andrew Cuomo story for sure will continue to be told. For her part, Kathy Hochul has pledged to set a new tone for government in New York. Our thanks to those who helped us tell this story this week Peter Haskell, Steve Scott, and Laura Calla, and everyone else in the newsroom who helped lead our coverage. 880 In Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheldt, are the executive producers. You can subscribe for an on demand listening each week. Find us wherever you get your audio. Just search for 880 In Depth. I'm Tim Scheld. Thank you for listening and be safe.